Yeah, I would argue that one of the most intense feelings you can get from playing a role-playing game is the what that comes <laughs> from learning the truth behind something you had already made a, a, a very uh, clear conception of. Yeah, you think it has been about this one thing all the time, and then you lift over that final yeah. stone, and yeah. you were wrong. It's that sense of wonder yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that you you had things figured out, or so you thought. Uh, so yeah, uh, revealing. It's not that kind of mystery game where the mystery is everything. It's about it's a reveal game, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> Today on The Terrible Warriors, another Meet the Maker interview where I get to sit down with the people who make the games that we enjoy playing. Today, the creator of Simbarum, Matthias Johnson Haka. Simbarum is an award-winning game, winning two Ennies in 2019 for Best Interior Design and Best Layout. And the reason we get to talk today is because they've just released the Simbarum Starter Kit, which will get you and your game group ready to explore this dark and intriguing world of theirs. And while Matthias and Simbarum seemed like such a natural fit at Free League Games, it wasn't always that way. In fact, long ago, Matthias was involved in another publishing company that when they had to close shop and liquidate their assets, sold Coriolis, their original creation, to a video game developer who would eventually sell that intellectual property to Freely Games. And that's just one of the weird stories on how they've all come back together again, working under the same roof. It was so interesting a story that I wanted to talk to him about that first before we sat down and talked about Simbrome, because Honestly, as good as the game is, knowing the context of how that game came to be where it is today is really inspiring. So right out of the gate, I did want to ask, where did it all begin and how did we end up where we are now? Our history started in 01, just after the turn of the millennium, when me and uh, basically a group of friends uh, who were, you know, uh, most of us were at universities or beginning our careers, but we, we wanted to stay in touch. We were living all over, basically all over Europe, uh, or at least all over Scandinavia at the time. And we decided that why not put our passion to work and also make that into, you know, a uniting and, and a, a way to st- together and, and do stuff together. So we, we decided to start a, a game studio and make our very first role-playing game. This was, of, of course, after we had played role-playing games together for many, many years. Uh, and that first game was a game called Mutant, Heirs of Doom, or in Swedish, Undergångens Arvtagare. And I can, as a spoiler already... Uh, the next iteration of that very game was called Mutant Year Zero. So now you maybe you see where I'm going with this. We kept at it as a hobby, only releasing the game in Swedish for 
seven or eight years or something like that. And over this pe period of time, we worked together with lots of cool freelancers. One of those who I think he first approached us with a, uh, a draft of a, of a novel set in the world of mutant heirs of doom. His name was Thomas Herrenstam. And as we created our own very, you know, original IP uh, in, I think we released it in 08. Uh, it was called Coriolis. And then we were approached by two guys called Nils Karlén and Costa Costalus. Also, I think Christian Granot was in on that to some extent, but they were big fans of Coriolis. And just after we had released uh, Coriolis, and we had these two games that we were working on, uh, life caught up with us, and we realized we, we don't have time to have hobbies. <laughs> because not only did we, we had graduated, we had started our day jobs, many of us also uh, started families and got kids, and, you know, life as it goes, uh, had, its, had its forced us more or less to, to first work less and less with Jan Ringen, and then finally we decided to call it quits. So that company called Jan Ringen Verlag, the, the publishing house of Jan Ringen, uh, we was uh, liquidated, actually. And in that process, we wanted to assure that our game... Coriolis, our original game, survived. So we sold it to one of our co-founders of Jan Ringen, who is, uh, or rather his company, which is Paradox Interactive, a big computer company in Sweden, uh, computer games company in Sweden. And he in turn, or Paradox in turn, uh, licensed the, the game to a newcomer on the Swedish role-playing games heaven, namely Fria Ligan. Free league, and that was Thomas Harumstam was part of that. So this game yes. was now being traded around, and it ended up uh, being <laughs> yeah. licensed to someone who was a friend of yours who had worked on this first version of Mutant Year Zero. And yeah, we, uh, back then, I wouldn't call us friends. We were oh, more like uh, just acquaintances, peers. Yeah acquaintances he he had worked a little bit on uh with us he started working on the the year zero engine uh, back then it was called the version zero uh, as an alternative rules engine for our version of mutant heirs of doom uh so we knew of each other and his he had started this company uh Ligan together with Nils and Costa and, and Christian, who were big fans of Coriolis. So naturally, we, it, it felt to us all as if, if they wanted to, they, they should uh, continue working. Yeah, it was the in the hands of people who understood yeah. the game, the importance of the game, uh, at, at where it came from. And, and there was a, these were hands you could trust it in. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, as we uh, closed shop, the license of Mutant was available again, and Free Ligan picked that up 
and made uh, Mutant Year, uh, Year Zero, uh, which was kind of their first international Yeah, yeah, uh, then the rest is history. Launch. The, the rest is hit history. So Freely goes off with the Year Zero engine and with Mutant Year Zero and then begin to publish their own and and as, as it being translated into English, around that time we start seeing stuff like Tales from the Loop and Forbidden Lands being made using that engine. But meanwhile, you have not left the gaming industry. Uh, yeah, the, we the, did for a while. The company had had closed up, and you yeah. had moved on with your life. But I'm sure there was always the back of your mind this 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 hobby, this love of these games, and these ideas that you had. And this wasn't originally uh, a free league game, uh, but the game we're talking about today, you return to designing. Now, did something yeah. happen before Symbarum or? No, actually, we, uh, as I said, we closed shop, but some of us uh, couldn't stand living without making role-playing games. So we were we were on a, a games trip, actually, to, to Istanbul, and we were drinking tea in the shade of the, the Blue Mosque. And we said to ourselves, this was me, Matthias Lilia, my co-designer of mm-hmm. the, the rules and setting, and Martin Grip, uh, Martin Grip, uh, you know him from from Symbarum and Coriolis and Alien, and he also works on the One Ring currently, and yeah, and we have been playing games the three of us for uh, going on four decades. So we were sitting there by the Blue Mosque, and we said we can't live like this. We need to make a role-playing game, and we hadn't made a fantasy game as of yet, which was kind of strange because mm-hmm. it's always been our <laughs> favorite genre. That always seems to be the default setting for, or at least the default assumption of tabletop gaming is that it yeah, starts exactly. in fantasy before it spins <laughs> off into other genres. Yeah, but I think we were a little bit afraid, a little bit daunted by the fact that the, the market was crowded for one thing. The other thing is we... We didn't really didn't want to get it mm. wrong. Uh, we had this. Does the world need yet another sword yeah, and sorcery yeah. game? <laughs> so, uh, but then we we sparked life in in the the company again uh, together with two other guys. One of which is actually Juan Noor, who who nowadays uh, he's the designer of uh, or the graphic designer of Mercury. If you've heard of it, uh, we've actually very recently uh, looked into that game for our session zero, and I yeah. ran it as part of our monthly private game with my Patreon supporters, and I love that game. I love uh, they, they, the 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 just the the Spotify playlist they put out along with the Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah uh, I love it. Too. That that whole setting is just absolutely wild. There's this like micro ecosystem of designers all from the same little community uh, that, yeah. that, that are now starting to uh, feed on each other and, and, and coming up with these, these games to make. And, they're and all- not only that, we are also feeding each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's not all take, take, take. It's very much a, a, a culture of generosity where we help each other and, and support each other. Mm-hmm. And, and Sweden actually has a lot of other... Uh, small uh, game studios as well, uh, freely being the, the the major one today. Uh, but obviously, the, the cool games are being created in in 
every little town in this country, it seems. I don't want to go into trying to explain how this came to be because I, I really don't know. But and, and calling it an industry today, I mean, it, it's it's an it's a it's a well-spread hobby uh, for the most part. And one of the things that are so fantastic about tabletop role-playing games is that it puts you in the creator's seat as soon as you start playing. Uh, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I, uh, being a player in a role-playing game is to be a co-producer of the story that is being told. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why so much creativity springs from this hobby compared to... I mean, of course, uh, music and film and books and, and video games can also be a great inspiration for your own creation. There's a, uh, a place of collaboration in tabletop yeah. gaming that is in in other medium is much more passive where I can play a video game, but I'm consuming the game. I'm not really yeah. part of the creation of that game. Uh, there are ways I can be involved through early access and beta testing or or, or things like that, that that allow me to support that game. But I'm not, I'm not really able to take any credit into that whereas every tabletop game you play you're you're involved in the creation of that story that you are playing in the present that no one else will be a part of and and it, it's um it's an it becomes quite addictive afterwards because it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's hard to go back to just then reading a book and not being mm. able to have any say in what happens next Exactly. <laughs> so Symbrum is 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 coming around. You you you've been you're 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 with you're with these friends. You're in Istanbul. You are passionate about making this thing happen, and you've got this idea. Yeah. When you, uh, we, I mean, we we shan't go into the process itself. We we started out uh, uh, a couple of days uh, googling uh, art and inspirational ideas. Uh, and saved all the stuff into one and the same folder. And then we went off because we were living at, at three different different locations. I think Martin was in London, Matthias Lilia was in Stockholm, and I live in Umeå in the very north of Sweden. Uh, and then we, I mean, we kept doing our day jobs and whatnot, but this was like on the on the slow boiler yeah and uh in 2014 we released or yeah 2014 we released the swedish version of the game uh but the idea was like from the very start to or or i had more or less given them an ultimatum i said that like i i don't have time for a hobby if we're going to do this we will try to make it into a living not directly, of course. It will take time. Matthias Lilia uh, said that this will be a marathon. Uh, and it surely has been. Establishing a brand, making it known, yeah. uh, setting up the distribution and whatnot. Uh, but we we just wouldn't fail on this. So uh, at, in 2016, I think, uh, or at the turn of the year, uh, 15, 16, we, we released the English version. And 
I, I cannot say that it took off like a rocket because it didn't. But what we did notice is that the people that actually got around to or got a chance to see it and pick it up and play it really got hooked right away. So we knew that we, we were working on something uh, that both we loved and that was appreciated by the, what, by the players. So that gave us the, the stamina, the strength, the energy to, to, to really, you know, take it one slow step at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the time, I, I don't know, by this time, Free League was uh, n- not what it is today. It, they were bigger. They were were one or two years, no, about one year before us with the English version of Mutant Year Zero. Uh, and immediately when we restarted Jan Ringen, we also started talking to uh, Thomas and Nils and Costa and the guys about uh, somewhere down the line we will most likely come together uh, into one company. And so that was more or less the, the intent from us all, uh, provided that we could find a common ground and get along, of course. Yeah. Uh, so, but it took a couple of years, uh, mostly because all of us, we were so busy making games and we, we, uh, we hardly had time to breathe much less have time to you know go through all the formalities and and all the, the the corporate things you need to do legal things you need to do to to merge two companies i think fans of tabletop gaming underestimate how small even the biggest games out there are uh where <laughs> companies like free league games and magpie games are the biggest independent and we're still talking like less than a dozen people total for the company compared yeah. to video game companies where even the smallest indie studios might be about 20 people once you get to all of the business involved. Even the smallest games, uh, you know, like th- these games, people that are uh, uh, huge in, in independent role-playing that, that, that are winning awards, Some, most of these companies are two people or one person and, <laughs> and, 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 and are just making it work however they can. And it is so difficult to actually make money making tabletop gaming that this is such a, a, a labor of love. And, 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 and in hearing this story about your two companies, you know, think something to remind the listener here is that we're talking about i believe at the time companies that are still you know less than 10 people uh, on both sides and 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 they're both trying Mm. to make and and you're not just making the games you're doing everything in this company and and trying to work this all out and there's there's not a huge support network no matter where you are whereas once you get like it goes from a dozen people at free league to then Wizards of the Coast, <laughs> and and yeah. it is such a gap between <laughs> yeah. the independent or publisher or Paizo, and it is such a it's, it is such a massive gulf uh, between these two 
worlds. And and yet once you arrive at a place like Gen Con and your booths are right next to each other, and it is very easy to uh, presume that you know the people that are behind Coriolis and and Forbidden Lands are this huge you know mega corporation coming out of Europe and. And, and and yet almost everyone at that booth represents the majority of the entire company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's that's ex- exactly true. Uh, I, I'm I am fortunate enough. I I have to pinch myself every time I I speak of this because I I hardly can't believe it myself. But since a couple of years, three years back, I I would say I make a living out of making role playing games. Uh, and so thus uh, my my colleagues in free league and we are today like uh, six people from from the the core team that work full time doing this uh, but as you say that's that's pretty um rare yeah i i believe uh, it's you and magpie are the 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 biggest I think of, of the and then yeah, and then and then once you get like I think a, a, a one or two steps away to the next biggest game, you drop down to it's just a couple, it's just two people, mm. and uh, and and it is just um, the successes come all too rarely, and and they really need to be celebrated when they do because it is there's so much work that has to be put mm. into to to for every victory that comes along the way. There's a lot of luck involved, no doubt, but it also does not happen without the sacrifice to get there, as you mentioned, that that marathon to come along the way. Mm. And it is just not talked about enough on just how small these companies really are and how much they're up against to 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 make that work. It's it's difficult. This is a this is a product that in order for six people to play, only one book might be purchased. <laughs> That's a very difficult ratio to make balance. I'm not one to complain. Uh, Just because it's such a labor of love, you can stand this because it's it's not just a marathon in the sense that you're constantly running over a long period of time. It's also that uh, you basically run from, uh, from, from you open your eyes in the morning until they automatically slam shut when you like faint at the at the table i mean during that period when when you build something up and i think this goes for for many small entrepreneurs uh, not only in in role playing games but you know you work 70 hours a week yeah that that drive uh, and and and, and i and i didn't mean to make it sound like it was uh, completely uh uh, (laughs) grueling and 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 uh uh uh, just a a terrible life because there is this drive and this love for this game that uh, if you didn't have that we wouldn't have the games to enjoy you know and it is uh it is something that i am uh, in awe in over here and, and 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 watching and hearing these stories um because it is so, uh, uh, it, it is it is climbing the mountain, and it is you know that mm. that the, the you 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 want to reach that peak, and and it's almost that that mountain climbers mentality. I also don't understand why anyone would put themselves <laughs> through that, but I'm also in awe when they do, and 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 when they when they when they reach that peak, and and even in those stories where you don't reach that peak, just just the attempt at the climb is uh, is, is 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 something to be celebrated, and I can hear also from that time that you mentioned 
when when your company uh, had been liquidated and and you were not making games that you spent most of that time scratching at the walls trying to find a way to get back to creating again and uh, mm-hmm. and and finding it it work out and and I do I do want to talk about Symbarum, but we're, we're we're almost here at the story now of of the present day. So 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 you, these two companies are existing side by side, and the intention is uh, to uh, yeah. hopefully one day bring them together. And uh, and and Symbarum has been released uh, in in Sweden, and uh, and 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 these other games from Free League are are starting to. Uh, make their way over here uh, with mm. with with games like Mutant Year Zero and Coriolis, and I believe at that timeline, Tales in the Loop and Freely or and Forbidden Lands are, are 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 a glint in somebody's eye. They haven't happened yet, and uh, and and slowly those doors are beginning to open up. Um, and so so how how did these two how did how did this bring us now around the final bend <laughs> as as this circle completes itself? Uh, we had uh, a meeting, I believe, in the in April of 2018. So this is soon three years ago. Uh, and at that meeting, we uh, set up some uh, ground rules, common, common. Uh, you know, uh, we decided in that meeting that we would be able to. Uh, to work together, so so it was an important meeting. Then we were like uh, discussing details of the merger during four or five months or something like that. But already in I think late August, me and Martin Grip started working on uh, or started working with the Free League uh, team. So the merger was not finalized until early 19 i think but we were already like working as a team in in late 2018 by the time you and i first met in august of 2019 at gen con um yeah. that was i believe not long after the announcement had been made uh, that these two companies and that was the first time now symbrum uh on the shelves at gen con uh be, being uh, being sh- shown around and uh, uh yeah we actually we we were and this is very important for you you talked about the sport uh our very dear friends from the the british isles uh namely modifius uh who helped both free league and yanring and during the the first struggling steps towards the international scene. Yeah, they were responsible, uh, I believe, for, for much of the publishing and distribution of the yeah. English games. Yeah, the, also Symbarum. So we, me and Martin actually was uh, a couple of times at Yencon with Jan Ringen uh, together with Modifius and sold, uh, marketed Symbarum with them. Uh, so, But 19, it was the first time that we after the merger that we were like the new free league, if you will. <laughs> yeah, that was around when Free League and began referring to themselves more publicly as Free League Games. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, and it became this um, uh, this this a legion now of these <laughs> of these desperate game developers all now coming together under this uh, mm-hmm. this greater umbrella. Uh, 
bringing all of these games and 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 being reunited with Coriolis, which yeah. all those years ago oh, yeah. you had had to liquidate to keep it alive. Uh, mm. You're now back with the same company, and these these games and these owners are 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 once again <laughs> in the same house. Uh, not not only that. Uh, yeah, sometime last year, I can't remember exactly when. I think it was during the first quarter last year, we actually reacquired uh, the brand, the IP of Coriolis. So now we own it again. Oh, I mean, I, when's so the documentary nice coming out? I want to watch that. <laughs> that is, the story is just so phenomenal. And it is yeah. such a success and it is such... Ah, it's such an inspiration. It, 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 like listening to that has got my like my heart racing, and I'm just full of of so much <laughs> joy, yeah. really, for, yeah. for for hearing how you know the, the 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 road you've had to go down and how long that has been. I mean, and, and from from the time from from playing in university to today, it, the twenty years it has been, uh, and uh, and 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 the the ups and the downs that you have gone through to to get to this point and so that that <laughs> I really thought it was important for us to start our interview about this game on on putting into context just how mm. much has it been there to get up to the starter kit because <laughs> there's a lot that has happened so oh, let's yeah. let's let's shift gears to Symbarum specifically because I also want. Mm. Um, you to help me introduce this game uh, to to the terrible warriors because I'm hoping to to break it down and, and do character creation and then hopefully once we get back to playing games on the podcast to be able to actually show this 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 world off because it's it is easy to underestimate and I and and I hear what you're saying about those who have picked it up have found something very special in their hands and yet it is as we talked early on a, a fantasy RPG which can create this. Oh, another one kind of feel. And mm. and and I don't think that is fair for Symbarum. So tell me a bit about what what do we expect to get when we when we pick up this book and we open it up for the first time? What is Symbarum? Uh I think one of the best ways I know to describe what's what sets it apart from your typical standard uh, high fantasy heroic kind of game is it, it is a quote from from a, i think it was a german reviewer who once said that the world of symbarum is like princess mononoke meets game of thrones so are you familiar with both of those references I, every single time again it has not happened because of the pandemic but whenever mononoke is screened at a cinema here in toronto i am the first one to pick up the ticket to okay. to that show the uh, that that movie when the with the the uh uh overture plays as the main character is leaving the village for the first time on his elk and the music swells as he leaves over the hills tears in my eyes every time yeah and then right behind me i have a signed copy of dance of dragons uh, from Game oh. of so yeah I, i'm, I'm, so, I'm a little okay. familiar with both of those <laughs> So let let me explain why I think that's such a good analogy or or yeah yeah please um, do uh, it's it's Game of Thrones in the sense that you have this fantastical setting that is not magical in your face there is magic but uh, the world is not dominated by magicians or or you know these 
extremely powerful wizard somewhere. It is also Game of Thrones in the sense that there is no apparent good or evil uh, in the setting of Symbarum. It is a little, it, it's, not, it's not a fairy tale, if you will. There is, of course, good and evil, but what is good and evil in the setting of Symbarum is very much a, a question of where you stand, a, a question of perspective. Yeah, the, so the victors get to write these, the history. Yeah, yeah. There are all these factions and and uh, and so, uh, parts of society, and depending on where you stand and who you are, you will have friends and you will have enemies, and, and you will have, have likes and you will have dislikes. Uh, there is no evil superlord that everyone in your society has agreed to he, that he or she must be destroyed. What what is Mononoke about Symbarum is is the theme of the stories, or indeed the theme of the design process behind the setting, especially how the society of the setting is formed. Uh, and that theme or that main conflict is the conflict between civilization and nature, and uh, toying with the idea of or actually quite seriously toying with the idea of what would happen if nature had the capacity to to react and strike strike back at our civilization's attempt to you know cultivate it and not flat out exploit it but mm, utilize it and yeah, and force it. its yeah force its structures on it if you will so uh, much much of the setting draws from from that dynamic where you have uh, where you have creation not being super happy about uh, being forced to become civilized so uh, i i know we are <laughs> we are this, this sounds very abstract but these are very big an, ideas yeah yeah it takes a number of, of very concrete forms in the setting. Uh, the setting has been described as, as dark, as gritty. Uh, combined with the system, it is very deadly compared to most heroic fantasy games. It, it has a, a more serious undertone. Uh, in this, if you want, I mean, you can play Symbarum as a hack and slash, no problem. It is. It has the system has the potential for crunch, absolutely. But it's compared to the other big fantasy IPs, I would say that uh, the system is much quicker. You you can decide a, a five on five combat situation in in thirty minutes instead of in some games. You know, you start start midday and you yeah. continue the next game session. Yeah. Well, we we did so. try to do. Um, very back at the beginning of the podcast, uh, uh, to to actually play out a uh, a fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons dungeon delve, and mm. we recorded for four hours a single combat in one room, and it was yeah. like, well, we had we have to change the rules if we're going to get this done in yeah. time. So 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 that won't happen in Symbarum, yeah. I can tell you. But on the other hand, the system is. Um, uh, I, I should say that the, the lead game designer or rules designer is not me, but Matthias Lilia. I mainly focus on on setting and adventures, uh, but uh, it has often been said that uh, 
the Symbarum system is a kind of merge of, or maybe uh, something in between the, the really crunchy systems like 5e and, and more narrative systems like Apocalypse World, World or you know, these uh, rules light uh, systems. There's a pendulum that has swung when, uh, when I first met when I first came into contact with a Powered by Apocalypse game, uh, that's all I wanted to play for years. And mm. and now I feel the pendulum swinging back in the other direction of wanting to have a little bit more rules to be able to... Powered by Apocalypse games are very fun, but there is a limitation because the rules are so light, the games can be quite chaotic and they can mm. run away from you um, uh, once you try to step out of whatever spotlight that game has on it. And uh, and so I have found myself being drawn back towards, uh, well, a lot of the games from Free League, actually, uh, uh, that, that offer some more guidance and some more control in being able to tell those stories. And uh, that's, that's exciting to hear that it's, you, 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 you say that it's, it, it, it combines kind of both of those worlds of the, the traditional crunchy RPG versus the um, more modern, very storytelling rules light mm. setting. Yeah, it is a is it is a D twenty system roll under uh, in 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 its base. You have eight, uh, you can say attributes uh, that vary between five and fifteen. And when you try to do something, you need to grab your D twenty and roll under your score in that attribute. That's that's the the basic mechanic of the system. Uh, then there are, are stuff that complicate things. Um, first and foremost, the, the system is fully player-facing, meaning that the, the, the players uh, roll, at, at least raw, uh, players are rolling all dice. Uh, you can play it if the DM uh, is like very keen on rolling dice. That's possible as well. So there's but nothing up the GM sleeves. They're playing a role more of an adjudicator. Ex- oh yeah, exactly. Uh, a narrator and and also you know keeping track of keep, keeping yeah. track of what's going. But on. But it is the players to- telling the GM what they want to do, not the other way around. In really, so yeah. yeah. So and and. This is a system in combat, for instance, or in problem-solving situations. The di- the the d20 roll is all, all the su- success test is always modified by uh, the opponent or uh, a degree of difficulty. So if you are are trying to hit someone that is very nimble and agile, uh, you will have a harder time hitting him or her or it. Uh, and also, we have a system for for uh, for damage where the players actually roll their armor uh, against the static uh, damage value uh, of the enemy. Now, I, I don't want to pull you into having to explain these mechanics that you were not. You, you mentioned that it's the setting for you that you that you you mm. helped create. What is it about the Symbarum setting that that you feel hooks players, especially new players, when when they first get into it. Because you did mention when you first printed this game that uh, even when it was just that cult success, that there was something about this world that seemed to grab players, and it became their 
this 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 hidden gem that they would have on their bookshelf this 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 mm-hmm. this little secret of this wonderful world that they had that that very few people at the time knew about what is it about Symbrom that you feel now as the starter kit has just been released that hooks new players into the world and keeps them coming back for more i think what what hooks players on Symbrom in general is the art uh because Martin has done a, a, an amazing job in bringing this setting to life in his, his artwork. So, but the second thing is that you will, and now I can only speculate, but to me, it, it, after having talked to a lot of people, it feels like what, what, what amazes people first is that when they start reading this game, they feel that there is a very strong connection between the, the, the illustrations, the art, and what is actually written. So, and this is, of course, we have known each other for 35 years. We have made games and played games together. We have designed this game together as well. And there is only this one artist. So what, what you find when you start exploring the setting of Symbarum is that uh, it... it it is very tightly created in terms of both feel, thematics, and and the illustrations of it. Uh, then I believe it is it, aside from the fact that 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 it uh, draws from this conflict between civilization and nature, you also uh, get to explore a lot of other, you know. Uh, classical themes in this setting you have you have a very very pronounced focus on colonialism in the sense that the the setting is is about this sudden civilization that has been forced to flee from their now dead ancestral homelands and they come to this new area where the game is set uh, as colonizers and basically as invaders uh, and that, but also as refugees, depending on your perspective. Yeah, also as refugees, yeah. they see themselves as, as victims and refugees, and they come to this country. Uh, then, I think one other thing that sets the setting of Symbrum apart from other games is that it's quite geographically and historically limited. It is not, you know, one globe or one big continent. It is one land relatively small kingdom at the border of this enormous forest called Davokar, uh, which is growing over the ancient... So here comes the mystery part, which I think is what really sells the game. So uh, this, this, this civilization of Ambria, as it is called, um, lies on the border of a, a gigantic forest called Davokar. And this forest shields... Uh, or uh, or is covering the ruins of the the ancient and since long fallen empire of Symbarum. So, what uh, and the starter set is specifically designed for you to head out from Ambria, from the border town of Thistlehold, out into this uh, this massive dark forest that is almost like a a, a being. In its own right, uh, it almost sounds like another kind it. of invasion that is happening. 
Yeah, but it's also, again, I think the ambulance would, would see it as they are after the resources. Uh, mm. You have. Oh, I meant the forest itself being an invasion of a sorts of, of the way oh, it yeah. is growing and yeah. taking and, and reclaiming land uh, uh, of, 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 this, of this fallen kingdom. Precisely. And what we have in the forest is the elves of the Iron Pact, uh, which if you want to, to pinpoint the two most prominent faction that represents civilization and nature, you have the Ambrians, this, this kingdom of refugees and colonizers, on the one hand as, as representatives for civilization. And then you have the elves of the Iron Pact as representatives for, for nature as their you know, uh, protectors or, or guardians or wardens of this enormous forest. Uh, and they even claim that, you know, uh, there is this ancient treaty called the Iron Pact, uh, which bans humans from ever entering this forest. And that actually gives the elves the right to, to use violence against humans if they do transgress. In between these extremes, the elves and the, the Ambrians, you have the uh, the clan folks uh, of El- eleven. Uh, the Ambrians call them barbarians, uh, who who actually live in the border region, often inside the border of Davokar, because in the outskirts, if you know how to behave, you you follow the taboos set forth by the the Huldra, the the witch of of the clan folks. Uh, the, the the head witch, mm-hmm. if you can call her maybe, um, the clan folks, uh, then you can live in harmony with Davokar. It's just that the Ambrians aren't very interested in harmony. Uh, and they scoff at, you know, the elves and the witches. They claim that, that the evil, the darkness of Davokar will, will awaken if you start stirring in its its ruins and delving too deep and if you are too greedy mm. and and the ambrians go like okay 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 you you what you're saying is that you don't want us in there to to reap your you know the resources of the forest so yeah, you get and, to have all this bounty and we get yeah. to starve out here and i i see what Darkness you mean about they're <laughs> like depending on your perspective it's it's warring ideologies but it's not a story of good and evil it's a story exactly. of uh, of desperation or of you know like these 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 different communities that all have needs that need to be met and uh but are pitted against each other where they're just they, these are not at the time or at least the start of the game ideologies that are compatible with one another <laughs> was i to be really pretentious i would say that it's a it's a story about being human yeah you know in a sense, and, and then you have all these fantasy uh, allegoricals and, and uh, symbols to to dress up uh, the interesting conflicts and questions that arise from basically from living, and you can you can uh, set them in motion. And and I I believe very much of. We, we talked Game of Thrones earlier, but there are other ex- examples as well of fantastical settings that are used to, you know, uh, not enact a story of good and evil, but 
a more general one about, or more nuanced, if you will. But again, if you want to play Symbrom as hack and slash, and you will want a, a, a classic arch enemy, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing stopping you from doing that. And that's one of the great things about role-playing games. What we intend or want to do with the game we create is one thing, but when it hits the table, it becomes something else. Uh, and that's that's how it's supposed to be. Uh, so I know of many who play Symbrom much like they would play 5e or, or Pathfinder or whatever. So the starter kit has just very recently been released. It's now available uh, to purchase. What yeah. will we get with the starter kit uh, when, when, when we open it? What, what is there to be expected? I understand there's some pre-generated characters. There's an adventure. What, what do we get with the starter kit to set us on our first journey into Symbarum? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, the starter's head has a byline, uh, which is treasure hunts in Davokar. So that pretty much spells it out. <laughs> you, what you get is a 64-page rulebook, uh, including uh, the original rules, but scaled down to size uh, to make them uh, more easily accessible, uh, I, I would say. Uh, but you can still use them to, you know, uh, get, gain some experience and buy some new talents and and such. Aside from the rulebook, there is the adventure compendium, which includes um, two uh, adventure landscapes, which is basically two ruins uh, placed out in the forest of Davokar that you can explore, uh, and where you will come to, you know, get the first whiff of the mystery of Symbarum, which is, does the elves have a point in claiming that there is some ancient evil here slumbering ben- beneath root and moss. Uh, and, and if so, uh, are we at, at, uh, about to awake it? Aside from that, we wanted to make uh, a starter set that you actually can play with for a while. Uh, it's not just one scenario and then you are expected to buy, buy the whole product line. Uh, so there are some rules, and this is actually a design philosophy of that has been a design philosophy of, of Free League for a long time. We have uh, guidelines and rules for designing your own treasure hunts, or if you will, uh, you can use tables to randomly create adventures as you go along playing. Uh, so hopefully our idea or our goal is that that you will get quite a lot of gaming hours out of this one box it's not just like a short 30 minute demo no that will just introduce just the the bare mechanics of the game that get you hooked enough Mm. it 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 does in in a way sound like a a a full game in its own right yeah uh even if it is just scratching the surface of the actual Mm. setting yeah, the, the the focus is very much on uh, treasure hunts and ex, uh, you know expeditions out into the forest. Uh, when you have the full set of, of of core books for for the Symbarum game, you will see that a lot of of the game also supports this 
the intrigue and the, the, the problem solving and the social dilemmas and, and so on. Uh, but while the starter set will, will set you off on a, on a path towards for the, the forest. camera has got a bit of a tighter focus on, yeah. on a specific place in there. Where can we follow up with you, Matthias, and, and with Simbrum as a whole? I, I've been listening to you now for the last hour, and I'm hooked. I want to get this. Uh, where should we go to know more about um, this game and the games that you are making, as well as you know, Free League as a whole? Yeah, uh, freeleaguepublishing.com uh, is the, our home in the virtual world if you will. And then you should definitely look up our Facebook because that's one of our main uh, sources of communication when it comes to news and, and uh, announcements and such. Also, Facebook is where you can reach us through PMs. And other than that, I would say that I, I think I can provide you with a couple of links. I don't know if you publish this in a way absolutely it'll be in the show notes you can follow it up with me after we're done talking and uh i i I link everything of course i I only offer that up because not everyone checks the show notes so i try to include that at the end of our (sighs) conversations that they have that and so uh, i've actually been really um surprised lately on just how uh active uh many creators are on these Facebook groups and, and, you know, they're, you know, if you've got questions about the game or feedback or clarifications and that, you know, it's, uh, these developers are very busy <laughs> with all the things <laughs> that they're doing. They're also just as passionate about these games as you are and, uh, and, 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 and want to be available, uh, to, to, to help, um, you know, clear things up, as it were. Uh, so Symbrom, uh is, uh, the starter kit is available now. Check the show notes. There's links to all the pages, all the groups, uh, uh, all of that where you can follow. And of course, uh, there I'll also be linking to other interviews we've met with. Uh, we've mentioned him a couple of times now, Thomas Harrimston, also from Free League. Uh, we've talked to him twice before. And, uh, and you can go back and listen. I don't think those interviews have, uh, uh, they're not, I mean, they're a little bit dated now because of so much that's happened at Free League since we've talked. Uh, but uh, uh, they're still wonderful conversations. If you want to hear what the other half of, of, of this story sounds like, uh, uh, Thomas has, has shared some of that story with us in the past. Uh, and so they're also available. Mateus, thank you so much for spending uh, time with me uh, here today. And uh, uh, I'm very much looking forward to um, opening up Symbrum uh, for our Session Zero uh, uh, story and creating characters in this world and uh, and learning more about this setting. And, and I really hope that uh, after we've had a chance to uh, play through this game uh, and, and, and explore that world a little bit more, that uh, in the future uh, we can reconnect and, and, and check in with each other. Oh, absolutely! This this was a pure joy, and I'm I'm very much looking forward to to hearing what you what you think uh, when you really dig your teeth into to the course or the starter set, and uh, hopefully it will leave you hungry for more. Uh, and then now you know where to find it. I'm I'm uh, uh, listening to it. I'm very interested in learning more about this. Uh, this witch that you've mentioned a few times now in this border at the in in the forest and these barbarians uh and yeah there's there's this mystery what's what's going on and it reminds me a little bit of uh forbidden lands's blood mist and and the stories and the mysteries that are are behind there that 
Um, are these mysteries that have an answer or are these things that will be discovered by each group as they play the game? Uh, we we are talking about the starter set today, so mm-hmm. I don't know. There's we, no we, answers we, to be found we, there. <laughs> no, we, and we shan't go uh, very much further into it. But oh, I don't want to spoil the, anything. No, no, no. no. Of but not. I, what I can say is that the, the if you will, the the flagship of Symbarum, uh, at least to me as a as a setting and adventure writer, is a six part adventure chronicle called The Throne of Thorns. I've just finished writing the fifth episode, uh, which is supposed to hit the shelves uh, later this year. Uh, And uh, playing Throne of Thorns, you will get all the answers you want (laughs) and those you didn't want. Uh I promise you that. Thanks to Free League Games for getting us in touch with Matthias. We enjoyed that conversation. Can't wait to do it again. Be sure to check the show notes for all the links regarding Symbarum and Free League, where you can get in touch with them and follow up on all of their future happenings. And for our future happenings, follow us on Twitter at Dice Warriors. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash terriblewarriors, where, as it happens, our private monthly game is running a free league game. I'm taking them through the Forbidden Lands. We're playing the Raven's Purge campaign, so if you'd like to give that a shot, come join us. We'd love to have you. We play them every month. We'll be back next week with another meeting of the makers, but this maker isn't making games. They're making a tool that is going to help make your games much more immersive, and it launches on the App Store next week. Come back and find out more here on Terrible Warriors as we talk to the creators of Tabletop Tunes. And between now and then and all the other instances when we get to play our games and sit at our tables, thank you for listening to the Terrible Warriors, and be good to each other.